Is there a true church? Do you have the courage to find out? What is the church? Well, I tell you what it's not. It's not four walls. And it is definitely not what we knew as the church, the only true church when we were LDS. What does the Bible actually say about what the church is? This is a big question and one that we are going to dive into today. Did you know that belief the size of a mustard seed is enough to move mountains? God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. I'm Shelby Hosfield. I have a colorful religious past and carried around a lot of baggage for far too long. 20 years after leaving the church, I discovered who God really is and that he was waiting for me the whole time. I do not want it to take you so long. God put it on my heart to help you, pretty girl, find grace, God's truth, and the amazing, unending, steadfast love of Jesus. We are building a relationship after religion and learning new strength in him to do things we never thought possible. If God is for us, who can be against us? You are listening to Finding Faith Above. Okay, so we're going to start today with a little bit of story time. <laughs> so at Christmas time this year, we convinced my dad to go with us to Sagebrush Church, a super big non-denominational church here in our area that I usually go to with my family. Every so many years, he agrees to go with us on Christmas Eve, and he justifies it by saying that it is a performance and he enjoys the entertainment aspect, but it is definitely not church. And after we got home, my husband and I had a pretty serious discussion about this. My husband was concerned that I had let the whole thing get to me too much, um, but my husband was never Mormon, so it's a little bit different for him. Uh, let me set the stage. My dad had sat right next to me. I'd love to say that I was super comfortable that whole time and that I had all the warm fuzzies for him coming with us and so happy that he was there, but I admit it, I didn't. I was nervous. Nervous because I felt like there was a good chance that he had felt that feeling that I always had as a kid, like when I went to the Catholic Church with my grandparents, for instance. It's that icky feeling that you're doing something wrong. And let me explain it. So your stomach gets in knots. You kind of want to cry, but you're almost more like in fear. And you kind of almost want to get sick. It's just uncomfortable. Your whole body feels a bit shaky and you're a little embarrassed. Embarrassed because you don't know how to stand. You don't know where to look. You don't know how to breathe. <laughs> you feel the most immense power all around you that kind of makes you want to cry. But you aren't supposed to feel that, right? This is not how things are done. Whether you believe it or not, you were told and I was told that there is only one true church. I remember finding myself as a kid walking through the doors of a beautiful church with my grandparents and felt God like I had never felt him before. And rather than feeling comfortable about this or happy or like the feeling the love of God, I instead felt almost shameful. My heart felt like it was going to explode and I couldn't tell whether that was a good thing or a bad thing. But what I did know was this was a full-on culture shock. 
And I remember that same exact feeling when I first walked through the doors of a non-denominational church where they worshiped with the music that was louder than anything and it shook the whole room and everyone's hands were in the air and they were saying, praise Jesus. And I had just left the church and I thought, man, these people are crazy. Why are they praising him out loud? Don't they know that we are supposed to be sitting here in reference? Doesn't God think this is wrong? Why then do I feel God now? was the big question. Is this the devil actually trying to persuade me to enjoy something that's wrong? Doesn't feel like that, but I don't know how I feel. Can you guys relate? As I sat there at Christmas Eve service with my dad on my right and my husband on my left, I admit rather than just enjoy the service, I spent a good majority of that time wondering if my dad had those exact feelings right then. I wanted so bad to just reach over and tell him, that's God. That's him that you feel. No reason to be scared. No reason to be nervous. That's him. But I was kind of too big of a chicken, <laughs> partly because, who knows, maybe he felt differently. I don't know how he feels about it. Or maybe just because it wasn't the right time. I don't know. But explaining this to my husband, who did not grow up in the church, was a bit of a struggle. Although he did grow up Catholic, so I do think that there is a bit of a culture shock for him, too, to see people in the church praising. And just as a side note here, all of Psalms, if you read Psalms, it is all worship. It is songs that they sung to Jesus with worship, with hands in the air, and exalted voices. So come on, that's worship. That's praise. Just saying. In any case, why couldn't you just enjoy being there? Why does this have to mean something? He asked. And I do think that it's hard for people who did not grow up with such an intensely religious culture for them to understand that it still resonates in every aspect of our lives, even mine 22 years now after I left. And I want to let you know that that's okay. It's okay that you may always feel a little differently than your Christian peers. I still get a little funny about putting my hands in the air. And I, I admit, <laughs> I often don't do it even though I want to. It just, I, it, it, is, it is what it is. But I do hope upon hopes that you do have Christian peers because we're not giving up on Jesus, girlfriend, and he is not giving up on us. But with that, let's go ahead and dive into putting the church in context to help us put our minds at rest about true churches and what the Bible actually says about where we should worship, what the church is, and what God expects. Today, we are talking about big truths. What is the church? In a lot of my copy for this podcast, I do use the term leaving the church. We who left the only true church know what that means. But if you didn't grow up Mormon, give me a sec to explain because I have received some flack for using the term the church and leaving the church in maybe not the most hugely positive light. So to those of you who are listening and curious, the LDS church believes that they're they are the only true church on the face of the earth currently. All others are an abomination, according to God's revelation to Joseph Smith, the founder of the church. So the LDS kiddos are taught very heavily, very strongly, that it is the only church you should ever attend, ever. It is ingrained in us. This runs deep. So when I refer to the LDS church as the church, I am simply using the language that is still present within me. When you are LDS, there is no other church. The LDS church is the church. 
So that's what we're trying to do today. The truth is the church and religion are both beautiful terms in the Bible. Biblically, they are good things. But in our social context to the Exmos out there, well, I want to speak your language because we want... Uh, we want to know what that means to us, the term, the church, what it represents for our past, but we want to reframe that. So if you left a different man-made religion modality, feel free to modify the language to fit your own experience, because uh, this does not just help people who left the church I did, but this is also going to help all of you out there who are wanting to know the very basic, simple con concept of what is the church in the Bible. So that's what we're going to be looking at, because we are no longer part of those serious religions, we are moving forward with Jesus. And today we are reframing what the word church means to us from here on out, because we need people. <laughs> we need people who can help us grow in our faith journey with Christ, or we will falter. We need to change our understanding of what the church is and put it in the context that God has put it in, in its beautiful, in his beautiful word that he gave us to follow. Our past does not dictate our future with God. So let's start the work by looking at his word. What is the church? What does the Bible say? And where do I go now after leaving the only church I knew? For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Ephesians 5, 23-24. See, what we're talking about here is Christ is the head of the church. The church is his body, of which he is the Savior. Such beautiful terms. That's what we're going to go into. So, is the term the church in the Bible? Yes. Fun fact, all those books in the New Testament, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Thessalonians, guess what? They are all letters to the church of people that lived in those cities. I didn't know that for years and years and years. Maybe you did, but I didn't know that. I mean, I grew up going to church my whole life, but didn't ever know that part. Uh, I didn't know this for the majority of my life. In fact, on my senior trip, when I was a dumb, rebellious teenager, I went on a mini tour of Europe. I'll spare you all the details on how I totally did not appreciate the opportunity, but one of our last stops was in Turkey. We went to Ephesus, the ancient city. We walked the roads and saw all the cool sights. I had no idea that this was Ephesus, as in Ephesians from the Bible. No idea. I walked the roads that Paul walked and didn't even know it. So Paul starts his letter to Corinthians, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians. He writes, uh, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's kind of funny there, like how he says this, and, and we get so tripped up on the Trinity thing. This is just like a total side note, but God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, he is one. Okay, but then also then in Ephesians, he says this just a little bit differently, how he opens this one up. He says, to the saints of Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, in both of those, though, we are called 
saints because everybody who is a believer of God, of Jesus at that time, was therefore then called a saint. There was no hierarchy with it all. And these are letters to the people that congregated in those areas together as believers. So the term the church in these letters and the whole Bible does not mean what we think it means. It does not mean they had a physical building where they congregated and followed the rules by the leaders in that church. That is not what Paul was writing. Nope. In fact, when he's talking about the saints of that area, it was all the people who met in that area. So facts with this, the church is all saved people. All who have faith in Christ everywhere. They are the body of Christ and Christ is the head. The church is Christ's bride. Paul was writing to those people. These people met in houses, often in secret. They were assemblies of followers of Christ together to worship, to learn, to fellowship, to support, to do the biggest thing that Jesus told us to do, the greatest commandment, to love and love each other, to be disciples of his word. You see, they often met in secret also at that time because if they had actually said they were Christians, they would be killed. So let's back up a little bit. What does the term the church mean? So in Greek, the church ecclesia, I don't know if I'm saying that right in Greek or not, but we're just going to go with it. The word is a compound of two segments, ek, a preposition meaning out of, and a verb, Kaleo, signifying to call, together literally to call out. And biblically speaking, typically for that time, most of the translations often translate it as an assembly. So why are we talking about the Greek here? So again, I have talked about this before, and I'd love for you to go back to episode number two, where we talk more about the Bible. Uh, but the New Testament was written in Greek. So all the original transcripts um, that we go back to not we as in me, but the very smart and crazy smart people that dedicate their lives to translating, um, they go back to the very original transcripts that they can possibly find of the Bible, and it's all in Greek. So that was the original language. So uh, I think a lot of us think that the King James Version was actually the original. That's how it was written. And that is that it was a translation as well. It was a translation from the original Greek or the Old Testament in Hebrew. There's some Aramaic in there also, but the original Greek. So when we are trying to look at what is the meaning of a specific word, uh, we going back to the Greek often helps us to understand what the author was trying to trying to say what their intent was. So in Greek, church means an assembly. Um, the very old part of it is to call out. So a called out assembly. Not a building. <laughs> that's, that's not what church means. It's not a building. It's not an organization. Uh, but let's look a step further. How is the term church used in the Bible? The Bible explains the church as the people. They are the assembly. They are the body and Christ is the head. Us, with all of our gifts, are the members of the body, like arms and legs and toes and feet, the members of the body. They all have a job. No one is more important than the other. All of the members, these are just as all of our member of our body make up the body with Christ as the head. So the human body has many parts, 
but the many parts make up one whole body. So is the body of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 12. And I do invite you to go through and read that whole chapter on that. It is so cool how Paul kind of puts that together and the fact that we all work together. Here Paul goes on to explain to the assembly of people meeting in Corinth that we all have different gifts. We all make up this body. No body part or member is more important than the other. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary, he says in 1222. I actually think how he talks about some of these different parts of the body is kind of cute, (laughs) how he describes it and how he compares it, but I I love it. So go ahead and read that one. I invite you to go read 1 Corinthians, and that's chapter 12, where he talks about the body of Christ. But were each of these places actually churches? That's what we're going to get into now. Were they separate? You know, were, were they all different churches? So no and yes. So the church. The actual one true church, as it is in the Bible, is all of those who put their faith in Jesus. That is the church. A church is the assembly of those followers. That most often happened in homes, as it was illegal to be a Christian in the early church. Uh, You could be stoned to death, literally. Um, There was no building. There was no organization. But the fact is, and still is today, that the church is all of those who put their faith in Jesus, who have been saved by Jesus because they believed. So when Paul is writing to the church of God that is in Corinth or in Galatia, for instance, he is addressing all those followers of Jesus who assemble in that area. They are part of a church assembly, not the church. The church is all of us from beginning of time to end of time, who have put our faith in Jesus. We are the church. But a church is where those people congregate and and come together as an assembly. So all true followers of Jesus who have put their faith in him are the church. And And their assembly in Corinth or Ephesus or say 102 Main Street or First Baptist United on Cherry Lane All denominations, all believers of Christ are the church. We are one body, not a bunch of bodies. We all work together. So everyone at that assembly is part of the church. Is that what you're saying? So everybody who goes to First Baptist United on Cherry Lane is then part of the church of God? No. This is a sorry fact, but true. Churches places where people assemble, are full of people today that assemble, but have not put their faith in him. So there may be many people there who have been saved by by Jesus because they have put their faith in him. There are many people there who have not, and they are not part of the church. So God knows that. (laughs) God knows our heart. Um, But that, that is the difference in there. So too, there are many people who are members of the body, but do not assemble or go to church in the same way. And that brings us to a great question. Do I have to go to church then? If I'm part of the church of God by putting my faith in Jesus, do I have to go to church? 
So COVID really did a number on us in this, <laughs> in this department. Isolation was tough, but then it kind of grew on all of us. And now everything is online, even church is online. Can you find creative ways to gather alone? Well, we kind of did. Yes, but what does the Bible say about actually going to a church, a group of people to assemble and and fellowship with a group of people? Well, just as we were talking about before that all of the different members of a body have a job, uh, they have gifts, they have things they have to do. Um, Toes can't do what fingers do. (laughs) I think that sounds silly, but it's the truth. And and the fact is, is that the body altogether, it's many people compare it to like almost a living organism. The church is a living organism and, and it has a job to do in this world of sharing Jesus. And it's not for our salvation, but it's because we love him. And that's what that's what he, his last thing that he instructed us to do was to go out into the world and, and to share the good news. So we are all together like a living organism. We work in tandem. Uh, I was attending a Bible study one time and I loved what one of the women said. It was so good. She said, so often we come to the group thinking, what am I going to get out of this today? So if I go to church, what am I going to get from it? Am I going to be fed? Is my soul going to get what it needs? Maybe, maybe not. But is that why God asked you to come? Maybe you, the insignificant one, (laughs) the the one who feels like the toe (laughs) in the whole body analogy here, the one who you believe could never make the difference. Maybe you will be the one to say that exact right thing or ask that exact right question that brings someone else to God. Maybe you are here not for, your, not for you, not to feed your own soul tonight, but maybe you are here because you need to feed somebody else. And isn't that what it's all about? To love one another as ourselves? See, God doesn't make mistakes. He, he wants you to come together to lift each other up. All of Paul's letters in the New Testament touch on the need to gather, to work together, to build each other up. All of them touch on this in some capacity, but Hebrews is a great book to read more on this. In Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Assembly with other Christians was and is part of his design. That's his design for us. Because as Jesus said, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. That's Matthew 18, 20. He wanted us to be together, to worship together. And I will just say this. The thing that has probably made the biggest difference in my life in coming to Christ was being with other amazing Christian women. 
That is what made the difference for me. So I kind of floated and said I was a Christian for a long time. I even went to church for a long time and, and kind of sat in the back and didn't talk to anybody and, and kind of just did my own thing anonymously. But it was when I decided to fully commit to being with other good Christian women. So I know in churches, a lot of times they talk about small groups and things like that, but it was, it was having a fellowship with other strong Christian women, because there is something that happens when women get together and pray that is just mind blowing. It is so incredibly strong and profound. And I'm not talking about like Dear God, blah, 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 blah. No, I'm like talking like full on prayers to to Jesus where everyone, everyone there is fully invested in this, in this talking to him, talking to him because he's there with them. And that has made the biggest difference for me and my life. And that can't happen, unfortunately, when you're alone. <laughs> So do we need to go to church? I would say, you know, as scary as it is and as big of a culture shock this is going to feel like, maybe it's worth it. Maybe God is worth it. Maybe God is is worth trying to figure out what it is that that feeling is, that icky feeling. And if that icky feeling is, is really just him trying to stir your heart. And feelings can be very tricky and very fickle. So I want you guys, there is a great video that I am going to include in the show notes of this. And I really, really, really want you guys to go over and watch it. It is a fantastic video on 10 tips on how to pick your church. And I'm going to do another episode on this later on and kind of break this down. But it is so good. The pastor on there is so good. And the very first thing he talks about is your feelings are going to feel a little funny in this. But your feelings, just like I have said before in the Bible over and over again, it says that your feelings cannot be trusted. Do not trust your feelings. I know we were always told when we were, you know, still going to church, um, that our feelings, you know, how do you feel about this? That's God trying to talk to you. Your feelings are not. Because if we believed our feelings and everything, we would do crazy things, especially when we were younger and rebellious possibly. So um, feelings are not what you should be going on when you're going to church. But th- this video is so good. He goes through things and, and I really would just encourage you to go and watch that because it's very helpful. And with that, feelings do not override the Bible. The Bible is our guide here not our feelings that are being hijacked by old religious baggage, not old men sitting around dictating what is right and what is wrong. God is our compass and the Bible is his word. It is true. And what the Bible says about the church, the people, the fellowship, that is your guide. And it's telling you to get together with other people who also believe and love Jesus. Nothing in my life has made the biggest difference with that. So I'm going to leave you with one really great quote from a woman who I have spent quite a bit of time fellowshipping with. Uh, She sent this to me one day, and I love this. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just in fact you are doing. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 I am so honored that you showed up today to listen to this little podcast talking about big things. If you want to comment, share, laugh, or cry about what we talked about today, then you need to join the Facebook group where you can have a safe space to do all the sharing because we kind of need people in this big old world that understand. 
And if you are like, heck yeah, that was awesome. Where can I get more? First hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and then hurry on over to findingfaithabove.com where you will find so much goodness all created just for you because I really do love you guys. I've been where you are at and I want to help you have all the hope and none of the lost resources, art, Bible studies. It's all there just for you. Findingfaithabove.com wishing you all the best in love in Jesus name. See you next time.